When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Justin, don't you love having a clean set of balls? Do we mean footballs? No, I mean my testicles. Justin, when I used to trim little Ryan, it was a risky job. My shaver would often cut me, and so the whole experience was rather unpleasant. Is it similar for you? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's usually quite uncomfortable. Well, it doesn't have to be this way, because Manscaped have now launched in the UK. They are the ball shaving specialists. I've had a go on one of their trimmers, and it is a dream. It's designed specifically with your balls in mind. That means less accidents and a much smoother shave. Also, it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower, and it's got an LED light, so you can see what you're doing. Justin, let me tell you, it's a life changer. That sounds amazing. Where can I get one? I'm glad you asked. Go to manscaped.com, and because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code SECONDTIER. That's one word. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code SECONDTIER. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the European Super League to my Champions League. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. Justin, how are you doing this fair day? I'm I'm bloody freezing, Ryan. Are you? I'm very cold. It's the turned heating. very very cold very quickly, hasn't it? It has, it has, and the heating doesn't come on until we hit November. Oh, okay. Well you haven't got long to to wait to be in fairness, have you? So uh just eight more days and you'll be warm again soon, Justin. It's a race against time. <laughs> well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this midweek edition of the second tier, the first one of the season. For any new listeners to the pod, this is a streamlined version of the normal show. Me and Justin rattle through the results. No news, no polls, no Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight and no guests. They're all at the weekend, so you can all expect that in Sunday's episode. So, Justin, we'll kick off with our first game, and that's between two sides who I feel will be near the top of the table come the end of the season. It's Cardiff and Bournemouth. It finished one all. Harry Wilson scoring against his club from last season. Uh, what did you make of this game? Uh, well, fairly balanced. Um, you got Bournemouth playing good football. Uh, Cardiff a little bit more direct. It's exactly what you expected. But um, it, was, it, was, it was clearly a draw and it just felt like a draw all game. It's, it was a typical top of the top of the league Mm, ball fest? Not really ball fest, but just just your standard top of the league draw. It, it, there wasn't too much exciting to come from it. I'd disagree. I thought Bournemouth were much the better side and really should have got the win. 
because after the game, Jason Tindall said he was disappointed they couldn't get all three points. And when you consider we're talking about Cardiff away here, one of the trickiest games of the season, Mr. Tindall might be disappointed with the result, but he'll be buzzing with the performance. So good news from a Bournemouth perspective. For Cardiff, Harry Wilson's first start in a Cardiff shirt. He had a great game, getting on the score sheet, nearly scored another couple and creating a few chances as well. The interesting thing is, though, Justin, he wasn't playing on the wing. He was playing <laughs> more of a number 10. Um, I suppose it makes sense when you have a player as talented as Wilson, because you want him on the ball as much as possible, um, going for the middle. Does that, doesn't it? Definitely. I think I pointed out um, at the weekend, really, that Harry Wilson isn't your typical winger. He's a player who is much better um, drifting around, roaming around, you know he's not gonna he's not he's not gonna take people on he's not quick he's not blessed with pace as other wingers might be so he's much better finding spaces and pockets where he can start to create or he can get a half a chance at shooting that's where he starts to excel uh, and obviously playing playing him in a number ten position will probably start to unearth a little bit more out of him than probably what most fans have seen over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, he played fairly central, centrally for Derby as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Sometimes he played uh, in the middle alongside uh, the other holding midfielders, centre mids. And <laughs> I imagine he could be moved out to the wing when Lee Tomlin's back, but that's just something we'll have to wait and see, really. Alex Smithies made an unreal save in this game. Uh, a Bournemouth player had almost the whole goal to aim at, and Smithies managed to dive across and stop it. I'm amazed that he's stepping up his game now. Dylan Phillips has come in. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. Um, but yeah. Really entertaining game, actually, this one, I thought. Um, Bournemouth probably deserved the three points, but Cardiff will definitely take the points against a top side this season. Uh, but the side who are top of the Championship is Reading, after they won 1-0 against Wickham. Reading scoring from their only shot on target against <laughs> Wickham, Justin. You say through gritted teeth. Well, I'll get onto that in a sec. <laughs> what did you think of this game? Um, I thought Wickham were, were unlucky given that they've been battered all season. You know, I, I, I said again the other week that I thought the tide was starting to turn for Ainsworth and Wickham. Um, and, you know, as the weeks go by, you really want them to get a result. You just really want them to get a result and a goal. They got a goal last week, not the result. And it was sort of well, pretty much the other way around. But Reading can count themselves lucky, really. These are the games that they need to be putting teams away to show that they are really serious about finishing in the top eight at the very least let alone the top six or the playoffs uh, sorry automatics I'd agree with that even though they won Justin surely this performance shows Reading fans that I was right they're not keeping up this form this season (laughs) defensively they've been fine I've got no problem there but they've been winning games without creating many chances and when you're having one shot on target against Wickham a side who before this game conceded 86 shots in five games. Surely that's a sign that your side just isn't good enough going forward. I've said it before and I've said it again. If you consistently fail to create chances, then results won't go your way. And that's happening to Reading very soon, I can guarantee you. Listeners, just expect them to plummet down the table over the next few weeks. This Reading side is mid-table at best. That's not to say they've not got a good, a good couple of players, because they have, but not good enough to be challenging for the playoffs this season. I'm sorry. Um, Wickham, though, Justin, Gareth Ainsworth, staying positive. He said after the game he thought it was fairly even and this performance gives him hope and great pride. But if Wickham lose to Norwich on Saturday, they'll have equaled the record for the worst start to a championship season, which was Peterborough, 
who lost their first seven games in the 2012-13 season. Um, you know when you were talking about the worst sides to play in the Championship a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And you said this Wickham team aren't as bad as that Rotherham side from a few seasons ago. Are you All sticking right. with that claim, or you're gonna you're gonna pull up a comparison now, aren't you? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Oh, okay. I, was, I was just wondering. I think I am because that that Rotherham side was pieced together by a manager that should never have been there. Like it, it was, it was, it was like I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. A supermarket sweep of old, terrible Championship players. In that Rotherham team, if I'm but right. My, but my argument rightly. would be this Wickham team isn't even championship standard players. I just... Right, we're, we're going to get this out there. You're not a very nice person. I know You're, you're very mean. Anyone you're very, who, very mean. Anyone who has listened to this podcast by now knows I'm not a very nice person. I'm very honest with my uh, <laughs> opinions on certain sides. And th- this Wickham side is out of its depth from what I've seen so far. And based on what I've just said, that they're about to equal the record for uh, the worst start to a championship season, I think that goes to show that's the case. I'm still sticking very much by my claim that uh, they're not going to win a game this season. Um, Bristol City lost for the first time this season against Middlesbrough. George Saville taking advantage of a mistake by Taylor Moore. Dean Holden said it was an off night for his side, Justin. I think that's an understatement because it was a very off night. Bristol City were really quite poor here and I'd say there's cause for concern because in the first three games they were brilliant the last three the performances have dropped and significantly in this game um, we keep mentioning this but one thing we saw regularly with Lee Johnson and Bristol City is that a good run of form is usually followed up by an equally poor run of form uh, I wonder whether that's what we're seeing now potentially um, and if that's the case then was Lee Johnson rightly sacked was it the players that that was the problem <laughs> Um, but you know, but in all seriousness, you are you are right. There is there has been some complacency setting in since that win against Forest. You know, you saw you saw Bristol City go turn it up against Forest, and then they dipped and allowed Forest back into it. And if Forest were any more potent than they have been all season, um, they'd have they'd have equalised and maybe even gone on to win that. And obviously, that's followed up by a draw at the weekend against Barnsley, and obviously a defeat um, against Middlesbrough. But the I think the damning thing is they weren't able to carve open. Middlesbrough. It was a very stubborn Middlesbrough defence. They weren't able to get a shot on target, for example, um, and that's and that's the and that's one of the issues that they're going to have to um, get rid of because there are a lot of teams in this, in this division who are defensively very very good that they've shown. You're looking at Reading, Watford, um, Borough so far, Stoke as well. There are good teams that are going to be up there this season that are very very good defensively. And if Bristol City want to be in that um, race of the playoffs, they have to break these teams down. And they've got three very tricky games coming up as mm-hmm. well. Uh, let's take nothing away from Middlesbrough, though. It's a great performance. Without a doubt, their best of the season. It's going to be interesting to see if they can build upon it. They've got tricky games coming up as well. But that back three of Dyke, Steele, Fry and McNair looking very solid at the moment. It's Ooh. a very nice foundation um, in a Neil Warnock <clears> side. <throat> and whether they can build up on it, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Derby are in the relegation zone after losing 1-0 to Huddersfield, cranking up the pressure on Philip Koku. Justin, if this was a good performance, then I'd be willing to give Koku the benefit of the doubt. But the fact is, this wasn't a good performance. And not for the first time this season, his side was second best for much of the game. Um, I disagree in parts. I, I thought for, I don't know, 30 minutes in the first half, Derby looked good. The press, they forced Huddersfield into mistakes. The press was really good from the front. 
everything was connected everything was cohesive it was working as a unit um there are there are uh, some issues you know so i think it's piper at right back got a lot of space on three occasions where he could have scored um and that's probably the only time where Huddersfield looked dangerous um but as you say the results speak for themselves the goals scored speaks for themselves it's two goals all season which is horrendous you know i i can't even i can't bear to think back when it was that bad for Derby um, but what it does do as you say it ranks up the pressure um, Derby need to get a result they'll take a they'll take a 1-0 win off someone's arse I'd take a 1-0 win off someone's arse you know the ball going off someone's arse it's it's not good um, and the goal Huddersfield scored was, was, was brilliant but it was avoidable well, the Athletics says Derby are fully behind Philip Koku the club believe there are signs of positive results on the way they also believe they have enough to make up the gap between them and the top six. The top six, Justin? Derby? Based on I mean, the start from this season, can you really see that happening? <laughs> I, I, I question Sheffield Wednesday potentially getting the playoffs at the weekend, so why not? Christ. Uh, a loss to Forest tomorrow could be a really big blow to Philip Koku. Mm-hmm. And whether um, the confidence that the Derby board have in him is still there after a loss potentially tomorrow... We'll have to wait and see. Uh, another fantastic performance from Huddersfield, though. 10 points from a possible 12 now. Carlos Corbran has got the Terriers barking, Justin. He has, he has. And um, I know I know. I said that Derby looked good for a good half an hour, um, but Huddersfield in the second half were brilliant. The way they played the ball out of the back for the goal was fantastic. It was Hamer to um, uh, Naby Saar, who played it to the left-back. Uh, Toffolo um, and that set O'Brien free and it was so incisive and so quick it was it was really really good to watch even as a even as a Derby fan they are. I think my first first comment was what a goal um, because you don't you know I know we, we talk about screamers a lot but to play way out of the back like that was you know you, you don't see it often from teams you expect to be down there mm. I, I'm a big fan of team goals I, give me a team goal any day over a 30-yard screamer. Um, <laughs> with the games that Huddersfield have got coming up, though, don't be surprised if Huddersfield continue to pick up the points because it's not a, it's not a, an exactly tough run by any means. Um, but Harry Toffolo, the left-back, really impressed me in this game. He's someone yeah. who stood out for me last season in a fairly average Huddersfield side, but this season he stepped it up. In fact, I'd probably say he's been one of my players of the season after six games, um, mm-hmm. he's not been afraid to go forwards. He's been causing his opposition right back nightmares because he's constantly getting up and down the flank. And defensively, he's been superb as well. Expecting, expect us to mention him plenty of times this season because he's someone who's getting better and better. Uh, Watford up to third after beating Blackburn 3-1. We said in Sunday's episode, Justin, that Watford haven't been too impressive yet this season despite picking up results. But... This performance that was impressive, in fairness. Yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a change in tune in the sense that Watford were able to to break a team down early in the first half, um, which is a, a change for change for Watford. And obviously, Pedro getting a goal again, cleverly scoring, which must be a Haley's comet, you know, type type goal. Very very rare. Um, but yeah, it was as I say, a bit of a change in tune. You know, again, Watford happy to sit back, allow Blackburn to have the ball. Um, and that Premier League quality that they've got, they they put three past Blackburn. Yeah, uh, they weren't as good defensively as they usually are. Blackburn could mm. have perhaps scored more 
However, if Vladimir Ivic's men replicate this kind of performance going forwards, they'll be looking up towards the top of the table, I imagine. Uh, it's worth mentioning that when you bring on a £30 million forward in Ishmael Assar, um, when you bring him back into the team, it's no surprise that they're better going forwards. Now that the transfer speculation about him is out the way, hopefully he can knuckle down and really kick on. Uh, Blackburn, they gave a debut to Harvey Elliott on loan from Liverpool, who did all right. Um, I didn't realise he was only 17 still, Justin. Um it's not like he's 17, just about to turn 18 either. His birthday's <laughs> in April, <laughs> which uh, is madness. Um, do you want to know who was in the charts when Harvey Elliott was born? So he's 17, that's 2003. I don't know, Daniel Bedingfield? April 2003. Scandalous by Mystique. In the Club by 50 Cent. Move Your Feet by Junior Senior. God, we're old. You, well, that, we're not old, but that makes me feel old when you pull out things like that because, you know, 2003, I don't know what, we were nine, so. Mm. It's a bit mad that there's someone who's playing championship football and probably playing regular championship football this season who's nearly 10 years younger than us. That makes me a bit sad, really. Now we feel old. Yeah, now we feel old. Norwich made it 2 in out of 2 after a late goal by Mario Vrancic helped them beat Birmingham 1-0. Norwich had 23 shots in this game. No side has had more than that in a championship game this season. Having said that, only four of them were on target and a lot of them were from outside the box. Either way, they should have wrapped this up a lot earlier because they dominated here, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, 700-odd passes compared to Birmingham's 276, which is, you know clearly had a lot more of the ball than Birmingham um, but it's obviously a stubborn Birmingham side under Karanka it was always going to be difficult to break down but that's two wins in two now for Norwich and a, um, a good way to bounce back after two defeats on the trot it's it's much needed to get this team up and running but as you say you know they should have wrapped it up sooner they've got the quality to do it sooner uh, and getting to the 87th minute you know I can't imagine how nervous fans would have been in the ground had they been in the ground um, getting to this point but it's a win. It's back-to-back wins, and it's much needed um, for the confidence. I think for that team. It's a good point. Good thing. Good. Uh, it's a good point you make there, actually, because Norwich fans, um, when the ground is full, it does become kind of a cauldron at times. And I wonder if they would have got the win had the fans been there, because I imagine the pressure would have been massively on them as the game, as the. Um, game got later and later, and whether they would have pulled out the win in the end. Um, how many passes did say Birmingham made? 276. Lucas Rupp made 107 passes, I think. So he's nearly made um, half of what the Birmingham mm. side did, which is quite remarkable. Uh, interesting that both John and Hugel and Timu Puki were playing in this game. Uh, Hugel was the number 10. Not sure that's who I'd have playing there when you've got Emi Brendia in your side, but there you go. Uh, Norwich have got Wickham up next, so it's three wins out of three for Daniel Farker. Uh, <laughs> Horrible man. <laughs> Birmingham now without a win since the opening day. And I tell you what, Justin, I do worry about them because there have been a couple of decent performances, but most of them have been poor, particularly going forwards. They've only scored three in six games this season. And I can't really say they've deserved more. Defensively, they've been fragile as well, conceding loads of chances, um, which is surprising in an Ito Karanka side. But based off their performances so far, I haven't seen anything that tells me they're not in a relegation battle this season. Because unless we start seeing signs of improvement soon, then the alarm bells could start ringing at St Andrews. Again. <laughs> it's it's hard to say whether they're in a relegation battle or not so early on in the season. So I'll dispel that that myth, especially for a Karanka side who, you know, he organises his teams. But I'm only saying know, so one, far, by the way. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we know what you're like um but it, you know as you say it's, it's one win in six that win came on the opening day against Brentford and they haven't really looked to, to build on that there have been a lot of defensive errors you know I pointed out the weekend that they conceded three penalties so far this season which is quite high considering there's only been six games um so a lot a lot needs to happen for Birmingham City for them to to to, to improve because as I said you know if they don't score first they're not gonna they're not gonna be in a game which is very very partridge that is um <laughs> But, you know, if they concede first, I can't see teams, I can't see them breaking teams down. Well, in a sec, we'll have a little chat about Millwall, Forest and Preston. It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of Classic Football Shirts here because they offer you Classic Football Shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. Two wins in two for Millwall, Justin, after they beat Luton 2-0. This game was all about Conor Mahoney, who out of nowhere had the match of his life. Uh, it was only his second start of the season and produced a game-winning performance. Uh, a lovely goal, created seven chances in the game, which is the most by a player in the championship this season. It's marvellous stuff. You just you just want him to build on it, don't you? Because when he when he went to Millwall last season, I thought, you know, Jed Wallace on one wing, Mahoney on the other. That's the making of a very good Millwall side. And it just didn't quite work out for Mahoney last season. There were, there were glimpses of it, but it wasn't consistent enough. Much like, you know, compared to, compared to Wallace, it just wasn't consistent enough. But... When you've got a player like Mahoney who can create on one side and you know there are other players in the team like Jed Wallace who can do it on the other side, it's always going to be a plus for Millwall. And obviously the amount of chances they created, for example, you know, they're gonna you know, the strikers, midfielders, they're gonna they're gonna benefit from a from a good service. So Mahoney, please keep up the good form because you want you want it to work out for, for him and Millwall. Yeah, I'm hoping that as well because if you had to pick out a fault in this Millwall side, it would be the left winger position, wouldn't it? Because you've got Jed Wallace on the right and then so far this season they've had Mason Bennett playing as kind of a forward off a Bradshaw or Smith and yeah. then Mahoney's only just come into the side. Had a so-so game at the weekend but here, as I say, looked phenomenal and if he were to build his form and become the player that we all hoping he would be uh, five years ago or so, then it's going to be massive for Millwall. And there won't mm-hmm. be too many weaknesses in that side at the moment. That is the only real weakness I can really pick out. Yeah. Um, Millwall had struggled in the first few games of the season. They were playing a back three, but Gary Rowett's now switched to a back four in the last couple of games. And it's produced two wins. So expect them to, keep, uh, to stick with that against Barnsley at the weekend because they look a lot more like the Millwall side we were expecting to see at the start of the season. And this was a brilliant performance. Really good stuff from uh, Gary Rowett's side here. Speaking of really good performances, Forrest will be wondering how they didn't beat Rotherham on Tuesday night. That game finished one all, but Forrest could have scored about four. 
Lewis Graben in particular missed what was possibly the easiest chance for his career, a completely open goal that he smashed into the side netting in the 84th minute, which would have gave Forrest the win. Uh, no goals for him this season. Surprising when you talk of consistent goal scorers at this level. He's right up there. But it's not happened so far, has it, Justin? No, it hasn't. And he's he's probably got a scrapbook at Forrest of easy chances he's missed. You know, if he was remotely anywhere near as, as good as Zena was, you know, for example, when he was at, on loan at Villa, he scored pretty much every chance he had um, in half the season. And of course, at Sunderland. Um, to be fair, though, he got know, 21 goals last season, didn't he? No, he did, but he could have had more. Did, as I say, yeah. the, some of the chances he missed was, was pretty, they were pretty, pretty good. And for an experienced championship striker who is as good as him, you expect him to put him away. Um, and obviously, as you say, no goals, no goals so far this season. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't breed confidence, you know. You, you also point to Lyle Taylor, who hasn't scored either. You know, there's, there's clearly more to come from this Forest team. Um, you know, j- just for example, they created more chances, um, more chances against Rotherham than they probably have done <laughs> in any game under Lamushi this season combined. Yeah. Um, that's that's speculation. I've not worked that out, but I'm assuming <laughs> you probably won't be um, far off. But just talking about Lyle Taylor, when you've got someone like him on the bench, and you've got a striker like Rabin who's not performing, you'd imagine he'd be given a chance soon, wouldn't you? But at the moment, he's um, going to have to stay put because Chris Hewton's given his backing to Graben. How long that lasts, we'll have to wait and see. Either way, Forest have Derby tomorrow night, even though this result didn't go their way. I imagine they'll take confidence from this performance heading into the East Midlands derby. A fantastic point for Rotherham, although they haven't won since the opening day. A lot of 1-1s. They've had three <laughs> so far from six games. Uh, QPR nil, Preston two. Alex Neal's men getting back to winning ways. A good performance, actually, albeit they scored from two penalties. Preston up to 15th now. But for QPR, Justin, a very poor performance. Very poor indeed, isn't it? It was. No shots on target. Um, it's pretty it's pretty damning given how how much they've invested in their attack after the sale of um, Easy. You know, we keep bringing it up, but it's it's you have to bring it up because they've spent more money this season than they probably have done in the last three or four seasons. The likes of Lyndon Dykes hasn't has they haven't really got going. You know, there's still a lot more to come from this QPR team, but as you say, it's one win in six that coming on the opening day and only a handful of goals scored. It's not it's not I don't think it's good enough for for what the, for the money that's been put into this side. Um, they need to do better. Yeah, just seven wins in their last 31 league games for Mark Warburton's side. The pressure is starting to build on old Warby. Um, fans are saying possession football just isn't working. But I, I think my message to QPR supporters would be remain patient for now because they <coughs> have brought in a few new signings and they've got to gel. The likes of Bon, Adoma, Carroll, Willock. These are players who could be very good at championship level and I'd give it a, a month at least and then see how Rangers is doing. There's two winnable games coming up in Birmingham and Barnsley. Don't win them and maybe we'll have to start rethinking that. <laughs> but either way, remain patient with Mark Webberton now. He's a very experienced manager at this level and um, hopefully he can turn it around soon. Ivan Tony though, he can't stop scoring at Brentford. He got two goals against Wednesday as they beat them 2-1. Seven goals in four games now for Ivan Tony. I did say at the weekend, Justin, he could break some goal-scoring records this this season. The man is on fire. It's it's hard not to agree with you because of how clinically he is. I think it was his second goal where he was... It almost it looked like a backwards header. Um, mm. it, it was. It's, he's just so good in the box. 
and you don't appreciate how good some strikers are because I didn't I, I genuinely ruled Tony out after a couple of games because of some of the chances he missed but as you know strikers just need one one chance good strikers just need one chance to score uh, and then they get going and he, and he has done he hasn't stopped um, which as I say he's, he's so clinical which is terrifying because of how how many chances this Brentford team creates Brentford up to 7th now, while Wednesday is still bottom, because obviously of the points deduction. And the final game for midweek was Stoke 2, Barnsley 2. Nathan Collins was sent off in this game for an alleged elbow, but Michael O'Neill, who's usually very calm, was absolutely livid about the decision. The cameras didn't pick it up, so I haven't seen it, but Stoke are appealing the decision. Stoke just one loss this season in all competitions, while Barnsley is still searching for their first league win of the season. Right, let's do a quick Who Knows Wins update, Justin. We did a midweek edition of our weekly league where all you've got to do is guess the most correct results in the championship and you can win some big money the jackpot this week was 92 pounds and there were four winners this week leanne j jordan cpr gordon the golfer and bragster well done to all of you guys the money is being divided between you all Uh, i was one result off winning this week justin which is cruel you got one right Thanks for pointing that out. I was I was hoping you just wouldn't bring it up when we gloss over it. Um, yeah, it was a disappointing week. It was a bit of a weird week because Tuesday night there was it felt like there was barely any goals on Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night it was just goals, goals, goals. Yeah, I thought that as well actually. Yeah. I was looking at my phone, keeping track of all the results. It was like, there isn't much going on really. Uh, but then last night it was they were all flying in. Uh, well, yeah. make sure you enter this weekend's league. There's a link to it in the description of this episode, or you can join by downloading the Who Knows Wins app and finding us on there. The jackpot last weekend was 280 quid. All you've got to do is guess the most correct results than anyone else in the league, and you can take home all the cash. It's two pounds to enter. Right, this has been the second tier podcast. Thank you for listening to this midweek edition of the show will be back again on Sunday where we'll be going through all of the weekend's results and we'll have a jolly good time won't we Justin um the, the listeners will but you know I've got to spend that time with you so maybe not he's so horrible isn't he listeners this has been the second tier podcast I'm Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.